The mention of Sodom and Gomorrah conjures up images of unbridled lust and debauchery. They were the original sin cities, and their judgment is constantly held up in the Bible as a cautionary tale for all. But both their sins and their judgment are not as straightforward as some might present it. Almost the first description of Sodom says this, uh, Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Uh, what exactly were their sins? Well, it doesn't exactly say in these verses. And their sins get unpacked in multiple ways by different biblical authors. So Peter in the New Testament describes the people of Sodom as lawless. Jude, also speaking in the New Testament, speaks of giving themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. That's the sin of Sodom. Now, the climax of these kinds of lusts are recorded in Genesis 19, where two angels have been sent to assess the guilt of Sodom. Now, these two angels are besieged by the men of the town who, who want to rape them. These angels represent Sodom's last great hope of salvation, and you would think that they would plead with them for a reprieve, but instead they sought to have sex with them. This is shocking sin. It's the kind of sin that brings down the immediate fire and brimstone of God, as we thought about yesterday. But the sins of Sodom are not merely sexual. Listen to Ezekiel's description of Sodom's sin. The prophet Ezekiel in chapter 16 verse 49 says, Now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. They were haughty and did detestable things before me. Therefore I did away with them as you have seen. So there's a whole mixture of sins that are, that are mentioned here, aren't there? There's, there's arrogance and unconcern for the poor, as well as the detestable things, which was very probably a reference to the sexual sin. You see, the Bible is not obsessed with sex. The, the, the Bible, though, does recognize the interrelatedness of sex to all the rest of life. Sex is meant to be rightly used in the covenant union of marriage. And when we take it out of that context, it's part of a wider disordering of life. Disordered sex is a sign and a source of disordered living. But that disordered living takes in things like being arrogant and overfed and unconcerned for the poor. So if we're tempted to point the finger at Sodom and say, phew, at least we're not like them, uh, the Bible has a big shock for us. Because whenever Sodom and Gomorrah is held up as a warning in the Bible, the caution is never addressed to sexual sinners per se. Almost exclusively, a fate worse than Sodom is said to await the people of God. It's when the people of God turn out to be faithless that they are likened to Sodomites. So in Deuteronomy chapter 29, Moses warns the Israelites that when they are unfaithful to the covenant, they will be overthrown like Sodom and Gomorrah. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus told his disciples that those who rejected the gospel message were like Sodom and Gomorrah. The judgment is not for the bad people out there, but for God's people in here. And it's not specifically for sexual sinners, but it's for that greater sin of covenant unfaithfulness with the Lord, that really terrible sin of spiritual adultery. So as we see this cautionary tale of Sodom and Gomorrah, may it not be about finger pointing. May we be all, all of us chastened, knowing that we, in our unfaithfulness to Jesus, we have been worse than Sodomites. You know, we have not been spared the fire and the brimstone because we are better than those nasty sinners. 
we're worse. May this thought humble us and raise our hearts to Christ. That fire and brimstone that fell on them, that should fall on us, spiritual sodomites that we are. And the only reason it happened, the only reason, is that on the cross, the fire and brimstone fell on Christ instead. May that truth shape all that we think and say about ourselves, about our sins, and about our incredible Saviour.